Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to The Shit Show. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. That's totally awkward random. Kia ora, everyone, and welcome to a now two times award, gold award winning podcast, yes. The Shit Show. Nick, how the bloody hell are you? With an intro like that, how could I be bad, Lucy? Honestly, how shook are you right now? Um... I'm still pretty shook. We got the news about a week ago and it's it still feels good. So for anyone that maybe didn't vote or didn't hear about it, um, we won the first ever New Zealand Podcast Awards Listener's Choice Award, which is um, all because of you, listener and voter. That is like the Supreme Award, I think they called it. And we also won gold for Best Independent Podcast that one's judged by actual critics who actually know shit. So, but look, we've covered the bases, Nick. Yeah, so I'm looking at you sitting on the floor in your bedroom and I'm sitting here under a clothes horse in my bedroom. So it's pretty crazy that from these humble little places we can do some pretty cool stuff and it sort of proves that anybody can do it too, if we can do it. Oh my God, not not to get, not like Nick's just come on in the past few <laughs> weeks. Oh, no. Oh, not to be all preachy. Honestly, it felt like such a labour of love because this podcast has been through me, Ruby, Liv, even our younger brother Ben's co-hosted a few. Now, like recently, we've got Nick on like as the host each week. So it's been touched by everyone. And like we sold tote bags to raise money for our first two mics, the mics that me and Nick are still speaking on. We're still sitting on our bedroom floors. And, And Nick, you are right. It just shows like good shit can happen if you just sort of want it to and you just do it without like with a lot of audacity and with no one telling you how to do it and it's just just the biggest thanks to all of you for listening and honestly I was fucking shaken I've never won an award like that before and I'm just so happy and we passed another big milestone this week as well. We did. I actually was just checking the stats before jumping on mic, and we've passed a million downloads, which is just in itself also fucking insane. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You make it all worthwhile, me being forced to sit here and talk about the news with my brother every week. <laughs> forced like it's a chore. Now, Nick... We've had two amazing milestones this week, and then I've actually also had a bit of a, what's the opposite of a peak, like a trough, a bit of a low point, when I realised that one of our Siska mundane daily polls wasn't really um, in my favour. So we posted a poll the other day saying, when you're catching a ball without it bouncing, is it catching it on the fall or on the full? And I had the audacity to jump on Siska and like even caption the post. 
I'm pretty sure there's an obvious answer here, but I'm going to post it anyway or something like that. And it turns out it, it is definitely catching it on the full as an F-U-L-L. But my whole life, I've thought it was on the fall because the ball was falling. When I read that caption, I was like, oh, yeah, obviously it's on the full. And <gasps> no, and. No, that's what everyone thought. And and I put it in the Slack channel at the office and everyone was sort of like, oh, God, Lucy, like you're actually wrong. <laughs> when I saw the results and it was like 50-50, I was like, oh, my God, have I been saying it wrong this whole time? But after reading your explanation, it's uh, it's it's proven it's proven my point. Yeah, so basically it's on the full because, for one, there is a toss in cricket that you can do called, is it a full toss, Nick? Yeah, full toss. And what does that mean? It's basically when you bowl to the batter and it doesn't hit the ground before they hit it. Okay. And then is also the argument that the ball doesn't always have to be falling for you to catch it on the full. Like it could be on its way up. It could be a straight on throw. Like it's on the full, not the fall. Also, it's coming at you with full force And, like, it hasn't hit the ground, so there's no impact being taken from it. It's just, like, a myriad... Myriad? Myriad? There's a bunch of ways that prove everyone else's point that, yes, it is catch on the full. And I was made a fool of. Nick, what is the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week? So, yeah, I saw on Twitter the other day that France changed the colour of their flag. Okay. Yeah, so it's all red now in honour of Taylor Swift. Ha! Also, the um, Empire State Building has been repainted red too in honour of Taylor Swift. <laughs> nah, not repainted, but it, did you see it to get lit up? No, I didn't, but that's kind of cool. Also, everyone, shameless plug, but our other podcast, Culture Vulture, we just did a two-part series, second part dropping on Saturday, all about Taylor Swift and the history of her, and it's fucking good, so you should go and listen. Anyway, Nick, I'm assuming that France didn't change the flag to red in honour of Taylor Swift, and that was one of your one-liners? Yeah, that was a good one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, real um, good. No, it was, just, it was just a minor change. They changed the tone of the, the blue stripe on the flag to more of a navy vibe in honour of the French Revolution. Oh. So that's how it always traditionally was. It was changed in 1976 to match the colour of the European Union, so they've changed it back to, to the OG. Back to the OG. Now, I will say, not that anyone asked, but royal blue and navy blue are my least favourite colours. What about white and red? Do they do they sort of make up for it, or are you just riding off France entirely? No, white and red are okay, especially when mixed together into a gorgeous pink. But I just, look, royal blue and navy blue, not not I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> maybe maybe you need to get on the blower to Emmanuel Macron and sort of tell him to pull his head in. Yeah, Luce, what was the weirdest thing you saw online? The weirdest thing I saw on the internet this week was actually sent to me by Ruby, our third member of Cisco. Um and it's about Mittens the cat. And and you know Mittens the cat, Nick? Yeah, Mittens the the famous Wellington cat. Key to the city. Yes. Mittens the famous Wellington cat is moving to Auckland. Traitor. But not before the Daily Mail could take this story and write a really fake and kind of awful headline about it. So I'm going to read you this whole article and how this gorgeous, gorgeous, nice story about Mittens the Cat got kind of tainted by the Daily Mail. 
Meet the strip club loving cat called Mittens who spent so much time at adult entertainment venues his owners were forced to move cities. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, they've done mittens so dirty. They have done mittens so dirty. So I'm going to read you the article. A beloved family cat named Mittens, who became a late night socialite and local legend on the streets of Wellington, is moving to a new city to live a quieter life. Dubbed the King of Floof of Cuba, Cuba Street is a famous street in Wellington, Mittens gained celebrity status for wandering the streets of New Zealand's capital. Born in 2010, the Norwegian forest cat originally lived a low-key lifestyle in Auckland until his move to Wellington, where he garnered local legend status for his late-night jaunts. An established feature in the city's nightlife, he once paid a visit to Strip Club and earned his nickname from sitting on the counter of the Cuba Street Bar until 2am. His concerned owners are now packing up and heading back to Auckland. His late-night exploits made him a familiar face in the CBD with locals eager to snap a selfie with the city's most famous feline. Also known as his royal floofiness, his celebrity status even earned him the key to the city and a nomination for New Zealander of the Year. But Mitten's record hasn't always been so squeaky clean after he was detained by police for strolling into traffic near the city's library. He was brought in by police for questioning, but after having his details checked, he was released without charge and let off with a warning. Another indiscretion involved Mitten's attempting to enter a COVID-19 isolation facility in Wellington, with security guards at the entrance forced to shoo him away. He also made headlines in February after an attempted catnapping. Now, honestly, Nick, the last the last part of the story I want to talk about is about the shock move back to Auckland. Essentially, his owner posted on Facebook that for personal reasons, this is the right move for our family. Um, they do appreciate that Mitten's move will be a shock to everyone, but Mitten's is now 64 in cat years. He's 12 years old in normal years. And some of you may have noticed he's slowed down a bit, which is well earned. I'm sorry, but how fucking crazy is that story? That kit lives a more exciting life than I do. I was literally about to say, Middens has more stories than I do. And and the mayor of Wellington said he does have the key to the city, so he's welcome back at any time. <laughs> Yeah, like Mittens is tra- going to jump on the Air New Zealand flight back to Wellington for a for a wee holiday. Oh, It really goes to show so, that the media yeah. can spin anything the way they like, doesn't it? The Daily Mail can try and spin anything the way that they like. I wouldn't even put them in the category with other media because they're trash. But anyway, Nick, now that we've um, had a lovely, glorious story about Mittens... Will you please give me your first news story of the week? Yeah, so I'm going to have a wee chat about Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Kyle Rittenhouse was the teen that shot and killed two people and wounded one other in the days following the shooting of Jacob Blake, a black man, by a white police officer. So his murder trial is going on at the moment. At the time of recording, the jury is out deliberating. So by the time this comes out, we might have a verdict, and we'll let you know on the Instagram what the outcome of that is. But I thought I'd outline a few facts about the trial and what's going on, just to give a bit of context for you guys. So Kyle Rittenhouse is facing six charges, including first-degree intentional homicide, which is basically Wisconsin's version of first-degree murder. 
He has pled not guilty to all of these charges and he faces life in prison if he is convicted. Rittenhouse is claiming self-defense and that he was just protecting his property from looters, which I personally kind of find hard to believe considering his home was in Illinois, which is in a state over from Wisconsin. And the way that the the law works in Wisconsin is that the defense, uh, Kyle's lawyers, don't have to defend per se. They only have to poke holes in the prosecution. The defense just need to produce, in quotes, some evidence in support of the claim of self-defense, essentially proving that his fear was reasonable and that he responded reasonably. I've actually been reading a few pieces about this case and how, like, it's going to set a really dangerous precedent moving forward in the fact of, like, everyone is going to be able to claim self-defense, essentially walk around with a gun and claim self-defense because especially if other people are enjoying their like God-given right to carry a gun, like self-defense Kyle sort of gets off, it's going to set a really dangerous precedent. But I wonder, Nick, like I've heard a lot about the judge in this case. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the judge and his role in all of this. Um, so usually in courtrooms, the judge is an impartial party who is in charge of keeping the trial fair for, for both sides. Um, in this instance, though, questions have been asked about Judge, judge Bruce Schroeder and whether or not he is taking sides. Um, now, this all started for me when I read an article that claimed the judge was using a Trump theme song as his ringtone. Ooh! Uh, yeah, which, I don't know, doesn't really sit sit right with me and also he should have his phone on silent when he's at work but that's beside the point now judges are allowed to have political views like they are people after all but in this case where the defendant uh kyle rittenhouse is being hailed as a right-wing hero and his legal fees are being paid for by various right-wing extremist groups it doesn't really seem that appropriate no nick you're completely right and and like it is quite literally red flags like if if it's been you know like it's oh that's so so gross there was also the fact that the judge wasn't letting the people that kyle shot be called victims he said that they could be called like arsonists or um looters but they couldn't be called victims yeah looters or rioters yeah he he said that the word victims was a loaded word yeah it's it's shocking behavior that's really shocking so he's also faced criticism by reporters for not understanding how pinch to zoom works like one of the basic tech principles that we all know about right like when you move your fingers in and out on a picture to zoom in and out you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. so the, de- the defense claimed that an ipad uses in quotes Apple's artificial intelligence or logarithms to create what they believe is happening. So this isn't actually enhanced video. This is Apple's iPad programming creating what it thinks is there, not what necessarily is there. So that's the Kyle Rittenhouse's defense saying that when you zoom in on this video, that Apple's logarithms are creating fake things in the video saying that these things don't actually exist. Which we all know is fake. Like, if you zoom in on a video... That's so false. Yeah. So the, the defense is literally sitting there being like, oh, no, you're just seeing things, or the the, the video is, like, just things have been created by algorithms in yeah. the video. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Judge Schroeder let this motion be carried um, as the prosecution could not prove within 20 minutes that it was false. But we all know that's not how that works. Yeah, it's like, well, well... Can they prove in 20 minutes that an algorithm has magicked something up? I don't think they'll be able to, like, hack into it and see. 
Well, exactly. Uh, the judge's justification for this is that he saves texts by screenshotting them, then emailing them back to himself. And when he zooms in on those pictures to read the texts, they are blurry. Oh, no. Like, this feels, Nick, fake. This feels like a fake thing. It, it all feels made up, right? Like, I, I'm not making this up. Holy shit. So there's there's plenty more examples of the judge being inappropriate or biased, like him making jokes about Asian food being stuck on a boat in Long Beach when their lunch was delayed, um, banning the word victim, like we alluded to earlier, and, replete, and repeatedly sparring with the prosecution. But there is one more thing that I want to quickly talk about, and that's Kyle himself picking the final jurors to make the guilty verdict. Is that allowed? Yeah, so he didn't pick them out of the stand himself one by one, like say that one, I want that one. He drew them from the ballot, which Mm -hmm. in theory should still be random, but it isn't a great look, the defendant picking out the jurors, and it certainly isn't standard practice in a courtroom um, that's usually performed by like a court clerk, not the defendant. And when questioned, Judge Schroeder said that he's been having the defendants do it for at least 20 years. So it may not be the most important part of the trial, but it's a part that stands out to me. It's it's kind of symbolic of the judges and Kyle's relationship, you know? Yeah, and it's a a few things poke out to me here is that it's turning it into a bit of a game. Like, it's really gamifying the whole process, like, by letting him do essentially, like, a lucky dip. Sorry, but this isn't something that's meant to be fun. You killed people because you had a gun and decided you wanted to. Also... Like, it's kind of making him seem like more of a child, you know, like having a like game for him to pick out his jurors. There's just, there's so many things you're right that this symbolizes in this trial that just shouldn't really be happening. Yeah, it's pretty shocking, the, like some of the behavior that's going on in this courtroom. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what the what the jury says in a few days time. I know, I know. And also I saw heaps of like videos going around of him like breaking down in the courtroom and like, and and it's just, I don't know, this trial, the whole trial has felt a bit like off for me, eh? That crying was obviously fake, eh? Mm, like, like, do you reckon? I don't know if it was fake, but I just don't know if it should have been made such a huge deal, like had should have been made out of it because it's just everything... Everything subconsciously is kind of pointing to him being a child and like using self-defense and not knowing better when it's like, "Mm, this dude should be kind of held accountable. But we will see, as you say, in a few days, Nick. Mm, Absolutely. Speaking of the US law system and things along those lines, what's this about crypto bros trying to buy the US constitution? Now, Nick, that segue... Was nearly as good as a Lucy Blackiston segue, but uh, learning from the best. (laughs) Yeah, I do kind of like it. So, first of all, not that you would actually even take it from me or that I'm actually giving it out. None of what I'm about to say is financial slash life advice. But you're right, Nick. A bunch of crypto bros are trying to buy the U.S. Constitution. So you actually said this to me. You know when Nicolas Cage stole the Declaration of Independence and National Treasure? Favorite movie. I've never actually seen it, but I know that this situation is a lot like that, but it's in real life and there's no Nicolas Cage. <laughs> now, Which is slightly disappointing because he's, you know... Nicholas Cage. So what I'm talking about here, Nick, is a group of people who have formed a DAO. Now, before I wrote this in the newsletter this morning, did you know what a DAO was? No, I didn't. And I still don't really know. 
Okay, so a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. And essentially, that means, it's pronounced DAO, so if you hear me say that a few times, that's what I'm referring to. It's like a Web3 or a third generation of the web concept. Like, you know, it's all about decentralization, making sure there's not one like central figure. It lives in the same world as the blockchain and cryptocurrency and like the new era of technology. It sounds like everything else involved with crypto, just like a lot of buzzwords and jargon. Yes. So it might be easy to just picture this, um, maybe break it down word by word, like decentralized autonomous organization. So it's a community-based thing. There's no leader of this organization. Um, Autonomous, it operates on its own without regulations from other people. And long story short, it's basically just a group of people who have all bought into this organization. So they've like paid cryptocurrency or something, got a token. And then once they get a token, they all have the ability to vote and help govern like all the choices and decisions that the organization makes. Is that making any sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get it. Um, But can you explain what the US Constitution is? (laughs) Yeah. So the US Constitution (laughs) is a really important document. It features in my favorite musical, Hamilton, a lot. Sing us a song. I am not throwing away my... Shut. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm okay, not. Stop. So- okay, stop. <laughs> Lucy, stop. I'm gonna get a scholarship to Kings College. Lucy, <laughs> stop. <laughs> um. Okay. Sorry, everybody. The copy of the of the U.S. Constitution that we are talking about here is one of eleven surviving copies of the original version, and is the only copy right now that is still owned by a private collector. And it's about to be auctioned off for the first time in thirty three years. So, wow. the Constitution DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. So, a group of crypto bros that are like pulling together money to win this auction. And it's actually like the idea behind it is that like anyone can put in some money and if they win the auction and buy it, it doesn't mean that they all own the constitution, the copy that they have. It just means that everyone that's bought in and got a token has like governing rights. So they can make decisions about what happens with the US Constitution. Like, they can't change it, but they can say where it should be displayed and things like that. So the whole point of this was to put the Constitution in the hands of the people, and which is a very, like, crypto bro sort of thing to say. But I've seen a lot of comments of people who have been putting in money and then getting rights to decide what happens with the Constitution, saying that it'll be like immigrants or black people in America that were like, we never had the chance to have a say before. And now like we get to own or we get to help decide what happens with this like part of history. And it's actually quite sweet seeing like some of the messages that are coming through with some of the sort of donations. So the way that this has all come together is like a bunch of really smart people and like a really chaotic Discord server um, is helping to set up this DAO. They're creating a legal entity that's capable of placing a bid. They are preparing like insurance for if they do actually win. They have $5 million at the moment. They need $20 million, so we'll see. And they're already talking to museum partners that have the facilities to like, you know, house the actual prize. 
I do think that having something like the US Constitution or something physical makes this whole concept of DAOs and like shit like Web3 a little bit easier to understand because you're talking about the fact that maybe a decentralized autonomous organization could one day buy real estate and that means that like everyone that's put in has like governing rights like there's no one person in charge or maybe one day they'll buy a company and there's no one person in charge like instead of just all this chat about nfts and bitcoin and ethereum and like do you kind of get what i mean yeah absolutely i was actually going to bring up the nft thing like it's having something that is actually tangible adds it's like a, a really proper use case to to crypto and the blockchain and, and something that we can actually yeah. see and touch and feel and actually yeah. as a presence in the real world. Exactly. And I think that's been really helpful for people that have been believing in all of these ideas for a while now because because the US Constitution's involved, it's getting a lot of media traction. Like even people like me who don't really know much about the space are taking this and like making sense of it and being like, oh yeah, okay, I can see how that works a bit more. Also, just a really shameless plug, if you want to understand cryptocurrency and the blockchain, we have two really good four-minute videos in our Extremely Online series. They break it down, like all the ideas behind it, how it actually works, like in words that we can all understand. And we worked really hard to make these understandable. So you should definitely go and watch them. And just as we will keep you updated with the Kyle Rittenhouse story, we will also keep you updated with whether the people buy the US Constitution. Now that that sounds that sounds really cool. I kind of want to be involved, you know, like I kind of want to. Well, you can be. Again, this is not um, investment advice. You won't get any return on your investment, but if you want to say that you have some decision-making rights over the US Constitution, one copy of it, you actually can. I wonder what happens when they do decide to sell. I guess it could be like an investment. I don't think you will. I read some um, pieces about it, and just in the nature of this one, they've said that there's no confirmed like financial payout, but maybe that's something they'll iron out later okay cool very interesting lucy i know did you actually find that interesting yeah i actually really did yeah but if i find everything you say on the shit show podcast lucy i find everything you say interesting oh my god Ning, stop being sesame it's because i give you a job (laughs) (laughs) nick do you have another story for me yes i do this is something kind of cool at least to me russia blew up a satellite that nearly destroyed the space station excuse me yeah, wow, you're squeezed. Um, so basically, the I'm plot of the movie. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Thank you. So basically, the plot of the movie Gravity. Do you remember the movie Gravity? Gravity. No, we don't stand John Mayer, actually. Taylor Swift, we love you. Um, I've never seen the movie Gravity. Ah, oh, okay. Well, basically, a satellite breaks up in orbit and destroys the space station, and George Clooney's involved somehow. Is, and so- I was going to say, is this the one with George Clooney? <laughs> is this the one with George Clooney, George Coochie, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock? Yeah, yep. Because exactly. I've seen it. How do you think I haven't seen it? Yeah, why would I even think that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> How stupid of me. Ruby, you edit this to make Nick sound stupid and me sound smart, will you? Oh, as, as paranormal. Um, <laughs> so on Tuesday this week, um, Russia launched an anti-satellite missile targeting an old Soviet satellite in low Earth orbit. About, that's, that's about 400 k's above the Earth's surface. So this satellite and the resulting debris 
it was a two-ton satellite, so it's pretty big, um, are in a similar orbit to the International Space Station. So it put the crew, of which two of the seven people on board are Russian, in a pretty risky situation. Following the news of this explosion reaching the crew, they were instructed to put on their spacesuits and jump into their return vehicles just in case of an emergency departure from the $100 billion space station. Holy fuck. I love that you keep bringing up space even though you know that it literally blows my mind and makes me not understand anything. Well, I promise this is all real life. And it's actually like a really big deal in the space world at least. Like There, there could be some quite serious ramifications to this. The head of NASA said that I'm outraged by this irresponsible and destabilizing action. With its long and storied history in human spaceflight, it is unthinkable that Russia would endanger not only the American and international partner astronauts on the ISS, but also their own cosmonauts. Their actions are reckless and dangerous. <laughs> what's so funny about what's a, what? Sorry, but what's a cosmonaut? It's the Russian version of an astronaut. Oh, <laughs> what did he think it was? Like alien robots or something? I don't know. All I could think of was Cosmo and Wanda from The Feeling Odd Parents. (laughs) Sorry, I actually am loving this story, Karen. Their actions are reckless and dangerous, threatening as well the Chinese space station and their Taikonauts on board. It's fair to say that the USA are pretty pissed at the whole situation. So, okay, can you give me a little bit of background just on the International Space Station? Is it American-owned and operated? Proudly American-made. No, it's um, it's a it's a joint partnership, so it's international. Should it even be international or should it be intergalactic? Yeah, the intergalactic space station, yeah, it whizzes around the sun and all that sort of shit. <laughs> well, like, it's more than international because it's in space. It's not just, like, between nations. But it's, like, the <laughs> nations that put it there. And also, like, so do people work on it year-round, like, as if it was a job? Yeah. And well, it is a job. Like, they don't just go up there and chill. Like, they, they're up there, like, doing science and stuff, growing plants. And- doing science and stuff? <laughs> oh, that was my next question, was what do people do on the International Space Station? Oh, just go up there and have a good time, take some photos, you know. <laughs> float around in zero gravity and throw balls of food at other people. Yeah. No, they do very important science, you know, like they're, they're not and up so there just to take the piss. Basically, like Russia accidentally nearly destroyed this very important place. Well, yeah, you you would assume it was accidental. Like, I don't think they would go out and try and destroy it on purpose. No. But... Like, has this type of thing been done before? Have other countries blown anything important up, like in space? Yeah. So most, like, superpowers with space programs have done something similar, although to spacecraft that pose much less risk to actual people up there so china did a test in 2007 the usa did one in 2008 and india in 2019 so it has been done and a lot of people are like this fuck is stupid like you shouldn't be doing that like because it can create pretty big problems like these little bits and these little bits and pieces don't just disappear like they are whizzing around up there for for years and years and they can do like a lot of damage fuck yeah and then also like there will come a point where we've just put all this junk up into space and then before you know it space is polluted too yeah, well, exactly. We can't have any nice things, can we? Do you have a wee update on Astro World for us, Luz? I do. Now, last week's episode, we discussed the both extremely upsetting and tragic events that took place at Travis Scott's Astro World Festival. If you want to know a bit more about that and you didn't listen to last week's episode, I would recommend going back and having a wee listen. Now, I am actually really sad to bring this update that um, the crowd crush that occurred and had already taken eight lives took the lives of two more people this week. There was a 
22-year-old girl who was at the festival with her sister and her cousin, and then a nine-year-old boy who had been on life support. He was on his father's shoulders and got caught up when the crowd rushed the stage. So that's just that's just unthinkable. And honestly, yeah, my heart just it breaks for them and it wants accountability. And, and I just, I don't know, I just want the, that those families to get some peace. Now, at the time of recording this, we have seen almost 200 people file 93 lawsuits in Harris County District Court. These lawsuits, I'm sure there's going to be more, and there's also multiple reports of different numbers. But these lawsuits are against Live Nation and a local promoter. They're against the festival location, NRG Park, and the county government body involved with managing the show, a security contractor, a management company, Travis Scott himself, and Drake, who joined Scott on stage. The other update is that Nike, who were set to launch a Travis Scott collaboration, have obviously pushed that back, um, saying it was out of respect for everyone impacted by the tragic events at the Astro World Festival. So, unfortunately, there's no nothing, nothing positive, no silver lining to come out of that tragic event, and. Um, We'll keep you updated, but it is, it's a really, it's a terrible, terrible story and something that, like, personally, I don't actually like reading about or consuming. Yeah, no, it's 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 horrific, isn't it? Now, we always like to finish on something a little bit lighter, loose. Do you have a good news story for us? I do have a good news story for you. So I read the story, which honestly warmed my heart. It's about a 17-year-old who created a free app that makes films more accessible for deaf children. So this app created by, like I said, a 17-year-old called Mariella. She was really bored during the pandemic and during the lockdown. And unlike most of us who just kind of sat around trying to figure out what to do, she created a app called Sign Up to help deaf kids that want to see sign language on screen instead of just reading the captions um, because they're more comfortable with sign language actually get to enjoy movies and TV shows. So the idea came about when she just taught herself ASL, American Sign Language, and realized that many streaming platforms didn't actually offer sign language options, just closed captions. And so after about a year of working on it, she's developed technology um, so that an interpreter appears in a box in the corner of the screen when a film begins playing and signs the um, words to the kids. The app at the moment can be downloaded in the US as a Google Chrome extension and it only works right now for Disney Plus because Mariella felt that this would be like what most of the kids would want. So she plans to expand this. But yeah, it's called Sign Up and I just think that is wonderful. That's so awesome. Like that's yeah, it, that's such a good idea. She's I'm seventeen. Man, I only watched the Tiger King during our and lockdown. we weren't even and, thinking about like the accessibility issues that came along with it. And this seventeen-year-old has come along and been like, "Let's make this a bit better for the people that need it to be." And yeah, I think oh, I just think it's fucking cool. I'm proud of her, and we just love that. We do stand, Nick. Do you have, I will admit, I don't have one actually myself, but a comment of the week this week. This was the first thing I prepared for this week's episode, because usually this is the last thing I'm doing as we're recording, so I'm glad that I was ahead of the eight ball this week. 
this was on your post about horsepower not actually correlating to one horse. Like, is it 15 horsepower for one horse or one horse has yeah. 15 so horsepower? Yeah, so weirdly, one horse has 15 horsepower, so it's not a one-for-one one situation. Well, what the hell were they doing? It's like 90-mile well, beach not actually being 90 miles. True. Everything is a lie. So my comment of the week was on that post by Nikki the Kid saying, somewhere in my brain I knew this, not a chance in this century is 149 times stronger than a horse. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> this is also just extremely, extremely relatable because me and Nick's first car was a little red manual Nissan Sentra. And after Nick accidentally rolled that and rode it off, much to my... Upsetness. Yeah, you weren't happy about that. No, we got a, a second, a V2, a version 2 of the Nissan Sentra. And no, they, Nikki the Kid is damn right. It is not 149 times stronger than a horse. That's hilarious, Nick. Now, I think it might be time that we wrap this episode, this two times award winning podcast episode. I'm not oh, sure if it was. It sounds so good when you say it like that, Liz. I know, but like imposter syndrome with our shit chat, are we living up to it? What the hell? <laughs> How did we do that? I know, but Nick, please tell the wonderful people where they can find you. They can find me behind the shit show Instagram. You can find me in the DMs there. Um, just type in shit show up into the the search bar of your Instagram and you should be able to find us. Lucy, whereabouts can they find you? Literally anywhere they want to find me, they can, um, but mostly on the other end of the morning newsletter because that is the light of my life. Also on shit you should care about, that silly big Instagram we have. And also, please tag the shit show or shit you should care about in um, your little screenshots on Instagram. Show us how you're listening. We love sharing them. We love seeing them. And we love you. Nicholas, I will see you next week. You absolutely will. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.